This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gooners all back again with you guys for another episode of our live show in which we talk straight or straight after semi straight after uh, our game against West Ham our Let's Talk Arsenal series I'm joined by a few guests this evening to go through plenty of what we experienced this afternoon I'm feeling a bit weird. I don't know what it is. I'm hopefully going to be able to break this down with the boys uh, and try and get their thoughts and feelings. But uh, whilst I feel like it's a huge three points, there's just something there's something strange about that result. I can't get my head around, but French knows exactly how he feels about it. So talk to me, Matt. How are you feeling? Are you good? Yeah, you well? Good, man. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Do you know what? I think I probably felt how you were feeling like around half time. But after mm. that second half, yeah, I'm 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 just overjoyed. I'm very happy. I kind of I've processed what's going on. I feel like I understand it, and I feel like we're kind of um, for me it's continuing to exceed expectations a little bit in some of these these crunch moments. So, yeah, man, over the moon, very happy. Absolutely. We're also joined by Albert. How you doing, mate? You good? You well? Not bad, mate. It's, it's, it was um, it felt like I was watching a testimonial um at the beginning. <laughs> that that's what it was. Trust me. Yeah, no, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it did have that feeling of a friendly about it, didn't it? So uh, yeah. it's really weird. Two teams that you thought we'd have a lot more energy than them, uh, and we didn't. It, it, we didn't. We just didn't have as much energy of them. It was really strange. Uh, and making up our quartet today, it's Owen. I do, oh no, no, we're not. We're not going to be joined by Owen. He's just decided to back out the worst possible time. <laughs> Good, I don't know what that's about. Hopefully, Owen will be back very shortly. Um, but clearly, he was just not happy with my intro. Maybe I'll have to give that another go. And in introduce him a lot better next time maybe he'll stick around um good evening to everybody joining us in the chat box hope you're doing good and well sam thank you so much for the kind donation mate it says if the first thing you do after a win is take to twitter to call out people with different opinions you are not a fan you are a hooligan sam's going in tonight i love it let's let's try this introduction for owen again um because clearly the first one wasn't good enough joining us this evening is the greatest Guna Talk guests of all time. It's Owen. Oh, no, no. 
<laughs> I don't know what's going yeah. on with Owen, but he's having a right mess to seem to have his technical difficulties. Oh, Owen, if you drop me a WhatsApp, mate, hopefully we can try and sort out what's going on with you, but hopefully we'll see you in a second. <laughs> Deary me. Well, thankfully, our performance was slightly better than Owen's technical performances this Ooh. evening. French, give me your raw reactions to tonight's result. Um. Yeah, so as I was saying, like the first half... I felt kind of probably how you feel a little bit now or worse. I was, um, you know, we got the goal, but it was at the time felt like it was against the runner play a little bit. Um, we were kind of, as soon as we, we got the goal, we did what I felt we've been doing for the last um, couple of games, which is we, we score. And then it's that old thing of, you know, we look at our most vulnerable point. All of a sudden we're just giving the ball away. I think after we scored, I think it was, uh, Nketiah, then Erdegaard, then Nuno kicking the ball out of play or giving it to a West Ham player straight away. And um, it's just, we just lose our heads a little bit in those moments sometimes. And you look to the senior players to kind of step up and calm things down. And it's just, it's been kind of our Achilles heel. We'll score a goal and then just give one away. So at halftime, I was I was in bits. So, you know, I was in the chat. I was I was not happy. I was kind of putting out all these, you know, the midfield getting bopped around, uh, fullbacks too negative, all this stuff. Um, but I feel in the second half, and I was looking at certain players, and we, we mentioned Gabriel, and mm. you know, I'm going to take all Owen's points, unless he doesn't come back, in which case... Cool. Um, <laughs> he said his Chrome is crashing constantly, so we're going to try and get one on a different browser. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in the second half, like El Nenny, for example, really stepped up. Um, I think throughout the whole game, obviously, Rob Holden stepped up, and a lot of these kind of squad players that haven't necessarily been there um, throughout the season... And, you know, that in the past maybe haven't always, um, you know, been like highlighted or anything like that. I mean, these are Wenger players. They've been there for a long time and they've got a lot of baggage with them. But they stepped up at these moments in this kind of, you know, crucial point of the season where away at West Ham, not an easy place to go. And yeah, I, I was just really overjoyed with by the end of it. I think we really grew into the game. And I mm. think we saw the team kind of mature before our eyes a little bit. Certainly players like Eddie um, really kind of, in the first half, getting bullied a little bit physically. Second half, it was really the other way around. He was he just continued to be dangerous and and create threats. And so for me, I kind of felt like I was seeing the team start to mature through this like uh, kind of mental blip that we've been having over the kind of past five games in a way. Even with our wins, we've still been very kind of naive defensively. So yeah, I just come away with it feeling very happy. Let's 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 try third time lucky. Joining us, <laughs> the the best. Guna Talk guests we've ever had. <laughs> it's Owen. <laughs> old, old. We don't get too excited. <laughs> you're there. Well, you're with us. We have you. We have you. You're here. So uh, fingers crossed anyway that it hangs out. How you doing, my friend? You good? Not too bad. I've, I've got a, a pretty sore leg. Not that I'm exercising or anything. I'm too fat to exercise. But I just keep randomly belting out that Arsenal forever or North London forever tune <laughs> all over the weekend. And my missus is getting really, really sick of it. But what an absolute tune <laughs> well, why is your leg hurt what's the relationship with that <laughs> irish women man you don't want to cross irish women <laughs> Jesus. um no I, it's a great anthem i think at the emirates next week there we may hear uh that mm. um you wouldn't i don't think it would have been in the, the away game tonight but certainly the emirates there's there's a chance next week that, that is going to be belted out for sure um before i come to you owen albert it was a weird game it's actually the first team 
in the top seven that we've beaten both home and away this season. Oh, um, okay. Surprisingly, so of course, we've still got to play Spurs and could build upon that. But, you know, we lost um, to Chelsea at home. We'd lost to Man City both games, lost Liverpool both games, um, beat Chelsea away from home. But as I've said before, we couldn't beat them in, in the home match, lost away at Manchester United um, and still have Spurs to play. And we beat West Ham, a West Ham that did look a bit leggy off the back of their Europa League fixture, of course. But we beat them in a bit of a struggle. Do I need to be worried about that performance? Um, it's time. I don't think Arsenal particularly really start that many games well. Um, I mm. mentioned it to you before we had the live stream. Um, that that first 15, 20 minutes... Um, I said it in a little quote, little video reaction on my on my on my page. Um, if you had never seen football before, you wouldn't want one. You wouldn't know it was a London derby, mm. and two, you would have thought it's a testimonial. Because it, it, honestly, both teams. I thought I get it. West Ham had the game in the week. I understand that when you play Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, but it just, yeah, it was it was hard to if you were to analyze that game before the goal. It had been very, it had been very difficult for you to analyze it and and to give your sort of mm. breakdown from a tactical point of view, what you're watching because there wasn't really any chances created. Both teams were given the ball, giving the ball away needlessly. Um, from an Arsenal point of view, I just I, sometimes I just shake my head in disbelief. Just simple passes from player to player. I mean, I think Tavares set the tone in the first two minutes with that that stray pass. He put. I was like, oh my god, this guy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say with this guy anymore, honestly. But um, I think we got the goal like French had definitely against the run of play. Um, if anybody looked like scoring at that point, it was West Ham, even though there wasn't many, many chances created from either side, really. Um, mm. To get a goal from a set piece is always helpful. Listen, there's many ways to skin a cat, mate. And the fact that we score more goals from set pieces is a bonus. Um so, Tom, sort of coming into the game, I saw people banding around score predictions. Um, some people were, were very confident. I'm like, listen. Yeah, someone said 3-0 on this. Yeah, I, like, don't know that was. I don't know who that was. What's, what's going on here? <laughs> no, so I thought to myself, look, look, if, if, if we break it down, Arsenal are not keeping clean sheets, right? That's the first thing. So mm. we're going to concede. So that's the first thing. Um, I actually thought we'd get a draw, personally. Um, obviously, I hope we got the win, which we did. But... Um, like I said, we've got the goal against run of play. And again, Tom, third game running. Score a goal, concede within three to five minutes. It's, it, it, that That's going to really, really annoy Mikel Arteta. Mm. Really, really annoying because we're lucky we haven't got that many games left. Um, but we can't keep on doing that because it will come back to bite us. It's just lack of concentration. We can sit here and dissect with, with how we could have probably stopped the goal from going in. But it happened, Tom. Um but the second half, a bit more as a spectacle, probably a bit of a better game. I thought Elneny and and Xhaka got a bit more control of the ball. Um, West Ham probably tired a bit more. Um, great to see Tomiyasu back. I thought he did really, really well because it was mm. his first game back in a while. Um, and I want to give credit to um, two people before I sort of finish up, Tom. Obviously, Eddie, in terms of strikers, and I always sort of concentrate on that as a more of an aspect when I watch football, particularly with Arsenal. Um, all round, I thought he was excellent today. Um, his link-up play, pretty good on one-on-ones, actually. I didn't really, because he's not starting enough game time. I think it's about mm. 15, 16 starts yeah. in the last show. That's not a lot. Um, um, so, yeah, massive applause to him. I thought, particularly in the second half, I thought he was excellent. He should have got a goal, actually. Um, 
but also Martin Odegaard's work off the ball. Not what he can do offensively off the ball. Um, we saw the stats before the start of the game, as I think is it Tommy, tackles made and distance covered. Um, that That's not by accident. You know, he's, he's, he's obviously got that in his locker and I think he doesn't get enough he doesn't get enough credit for what he does off the ball as opposed to what he does attacking. So fair play to him, man. I thought he played well again. Um, but yeah, very, very happy with the three points. Um, you know, winning breeds confidence, as they say, um, despite what um, a certain ex-player, Chris Sutton, might say. <laughs> yeah, we're going to come on to that a little bit later. Uh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Owen, it was, as Albert points out, at times it was a, it felt like such a passive game between both teams. Like a West Ham side that really kind of lacked intensity about them um, and an Arsenal team that lacked kind of the, the necessity to take a control of the game um, and, you know, take it and, and really go for West Ham. They lacked intensity. They lacked purpose, I thought, at times, especially the passing in the first half was so wow. off. It was really, really off. Um, why is my question? I know it's a really difficult one to answer, but why was it like that? What, what can you come up from a reasoning of why we played the way that we did? Well, obviously, coming off the back of their defeat in the semi-final against Frankfurt, West Ham, to me, really seemed like a team that were out there just trying to bypass this game in a way. Mm. Obviously, David Moyes didn't want the, to put out the reserves and get an absolute spanking. And, and for that to knock confidence going into such a big game on Thursday for them. So, But then, on the other hand, for me, when you look at the Arsenal side, we looked like a team that were really feeling the pressure. You know, It, it was the reverse of, of last week where Spurs were going out after us having... Mm. Um, a very positive result and they were seeming to buckle under pressure you know where as this week i think that i think the tables were turned in that sense that as we have mentioned there's a lack of i don't, I don't like saying there's a lack of maturity in the side because i think for a lot of young players they've got good heads on their shoulders they're they're very competent in their positions they're very good players and they're right but i think when you have collectively that many young people together you're going to eventually start to see a collective immaturity in a sense. And I think that's what we've seen. We seemed like the team that were, that were really feeling the pressure. And to be honest with you, I think that, as I mentioned, West Ham came out to almost try and bypass this game. And it was only for the fact that we were so standoffish and so negative that they actually started to say, do you want to know what? This game's here for the taking. I don't think they originally fancied themselves whatsoever, but I think we gave them um, the, the sort of invitation to come on and yeah. try and take those points from us. But what I will say is, if you had listened to um, David Moyes' uh, pre-match interview, he mentioned the fact that Martin Odegaard takes up brilliant spaces, brilliant pockets. He's so influential on the game. And I think that between Mark Noble and Declan Rice, the, the, there was a real intent there uh, from West Ham to nullify Martin Odegaard. You know, we you look at Arsenal and we have what I call three tempo setters in our side, and that's uh, Ben White, Thomas Partey and Martin Odegaard. There's only one of those guys out in the pitch today. So I think that the reason there was no shape, there was no format, and it was quite all over the place in terms of that first half performance was simply because you were removing the drummer from the band. There was nobody to set the tempo, nobody to dictate the pace. And without a drummer, the rest of the band are just clueless as to where to go. They're all hitting strings at different times, and mm. I think that's what we've seen. But in terms of, uh, as Albert said, uh, the goal we conceded, we're talking about conceding goals after uh, straight after scoring goals. But if you look at them, and look, I'm, I, I've been a critic of Mikel Arteta at times, but I don't think that that's something you can throw in his direction because that is just criminal from Nuno there. He's an absolute <laughs> firework of a player, and I'm sure we'll touch on him more. But 
I really don't think he can throw things like that back to the manager. But if you want me to take a positive from this game, is anybody can go and beat West Ham um, when they're good in, in in good form. You know, we've done it over the years with a very good record against West Ham, even with them at home. But the fact that we're going out there with deficiencies on our side, with you know big gaps, and I know that. Albert said Eddie, Eddie and Kedia did quite well. I actually think he was relatively limited in what he could do, but much like Nuno Tavares, if you focus on what he does well, yes, he done fine, but there's still deficiencies in his game, much like a few of the other players throughout that side. So all in all, it was shoddy. I think I'm going to have a heart attack by the time I'm 35 watching this goddamn Arsenal side, but three points is three points. And after that game, after that game and with the games remaining, I think that that is a massive, massive, massive step towards the top four for us. I think it's huge. Yeah, I do want to guide the conversation towards kind of the ramifications of this result um, in, in, in a short while. Uh, just to focus on a couple of performances individually, though, before we do. Um, French, people will talk about, and I have already talked about on the reaction show at full time, the misses that Eddie had during the game. You know, there was chances there that I felt that you know, Arsenal, if they'd assigned a world-class striker as we've wanted them to do, you know, they'd, they'd put those chances away and or they'd make better opportunities or maybe they'd time their run better or time a, a pass better to allow someone else to come into the into the attack with them rather than taking maybe a, a low XG chance shot from outside the box. However it works, you know, there were chances for Eddie and Ketty's day. He didn't take them. However, he, for me, shouldn't be dropped for, say, Lacazette because he brings us so much more than what Lacazette was bringing us. The energy that he gives us in the in the front line, the pressing that he gives us, you know, the, the chance to have so many breaks out from the back on a counter-attack, and we saw that a number of times with what was one of the best passes of the season from Mamed Elneny that was criminal that it wasn't finished off with a goal, unfortunately. But Eddie will be characterised as someone that isn't as good of a finisher as we need him to be. But in these last few games of the season... He is giving us something that we have lacked for so much of this campaign. I agree. <laughs> you can elaborate on that. I know that wasn't really a question, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of said everything I wanted to say, but I agree. No, he, he, and if you think about last season, I remember he had a little run in the team at the end of last season as well and, and got a couple of goals. And um, yeah, if, if that's the role that he has to play in this season, I don't think a lot of people I've seen. Thomas in the chat was saying, you know, throw the Jesus money at Eddie and get a proper centre forward. I'm, I'm like, he's doing very well, and I'm, and I'm happy that he is, and that's what we need, and that's what he needs ultimately. Mm. Um, and I think you're right that he shouldn't be dropped for Lacazette because, again, obviously, there's, there's kind of the threat that he provides going forward. He, he does drop deep and do some link-up play, and then also what he provides on the other end is actually being able to run. Um, you know, even in the second half of the game and. Um, you know, he, he you can criticize him maybe sometimes for not making enough kind of like runs in front of defenders when the ball's kind of coming up the right or the left. But overall, compared to what we have in a, you know, in Lacazette, uh, and that's all we have. Yeah, he's he's definitely the better option. Did you renew his contract, um, French? Well, but <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't. For me, that's that's not the the, the thing to do because I think. Um, yeah, he, he needs to go play first-team football somewhere and, and that's not going to be at Arsenal, I don't think. You know, I think we need two forwards. I wouldn't keep um, Eddie just to go get... I don't think there's any top-class centre-forward that we can get anyway. So, for me, it's um it's getting two of the slightly below elite tier or highest elite tier 
um, and moving Eddie on. But um, but I'm very and I thought he did really well. And as I was saying, you kind of saw him mature within that game. I thought because I thought at the start he was getting. I remember Zuma was kind of pushing him about a little bit, but by the end he was he was just doing proper shit. Hauser, he got that yellow at the end. He just continued pushing and sort of niggling with people, and I love that. And um, mm. yeah, I'm really happy for him. So yeah, it was a, a great performance from him. I think. The little scuffle with Ben, uh, with uh, Declan Rice, sorry, was uh, was it was quite entertaining. Just seeing yeah. kind of this towering Declan Rice and Eddie's just looking up at him like, what? <laughs> like, you know, uh, like it was. I think it was really good from him in that moment to just kind of let that encounter tick over because he wasn't doing anything wrong. He wasn't, you know getting involved with it. He was kind of being aware of the fact that, you know, the more I'm winding you up and the more you keep yeah. coming at me, the more time we're using, you know, and yeah. getting close to that full-time whistle. And it was just quite cleverly done by Nketiah. It's, I don't know what Rice is doing there. I mean, when we talk about it was 100 million pound player, performances like that really go against him. And certainly the mentality of games like that go against him. And to say he's worth that amount of money is probably wider than Mark. Um, Granite Xhaka, Albert, is coming for a hell of a lot of criticism during his time at Arsenal. I think you've been one of the people uh, that have criticised him and praised him equally in equal measure when it's been deserving and when it's been deserving in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought he was standout today. And I think that there's been a lot of people that haven't actually maybe sung his praises enough for this game uh, in the reactions that I've seen online. I thought he led the midfields. I thought he won the ball back comfortably at times. I thought he's passing around a team that really was poor. There was one moment where he gave the ball away. Besides that, I thought he was really strong. There was a moment in the second half as well where he won the ball back with a sliding challenge that started off a counter-attack that was just exceptional. Mm. you know. And this comes off the back of him winning that Player of the Month award for, for April. Is he going to be the most important player for us between now and the end of the season? Oh, Tom, trust you to come to me with a Xhaka, man. <laughs> now, you know, I'm not even that... Tom, you, you, listen, I'm not even that bad when it comes to Xhaka. Trust me. That's what I said. Some, You're balanced. Yeah. There's, some, yeah, there's some candidates up there, man. Trust me. But, um, Our boy Dan Potts knows all about that. <laughs> if Harry Seabee's watching Harry, he was, Harry was superb today, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what, Tom? Listen. Um, credit where credit's due firstly with Granite Xhaka. Um from the you know the, the interview on the, the the Tribune thing and I always say sometimes in life you know what it's about timing um and he's been playing well he's had a good season and the interview comes out I'm like okay cool uh -huh. <laughs> timing is everything but yeah listen people make of it what they want to make of it but um I saw that in the interview I think he gave recently again with uh it was Sky Sports I believe it was um Listen, he's um, I think he's at a point when in his sort of Arsenal career where I think he's got his head around the fact that he might not be universally loved by the fan base. But but equally, equally, there are some people that actually really, really like him. Um, not just as a person, but as a footballer and what he brings to the team. Um, listen, I'm not going to argue with anybody. If, any, if people feel, for example, he brings leadership, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you as to why mm. why you feel that because if you felt like that from the beginning of him what you're not going to change your mind now but listen tom as long as he as long as he's in an arsenal shirt people can bring up what happened with palace whenever it happened right that's a long time ago now um people won't forgive him but listen he's still here six years on um mm. so he has put in some very very good performance like i said today i thought him and el nenny in particular grabbed 
um, that midfield by the scruff of the neck. For me personally, what I saw today, I think he's done it in recent games, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, last week got a fantastic goal. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a divisive character, right? Um, and he's always going to be remembered like that at Arsenal when his time has come and gone when he's left the club. But Tom, if he puts in the performances that he puts in, with no prone errors. I actually thought Nuno put him in it a couple of times today with some of the sloppy passes he gave him. Yeah. It's particularly he's babysitting, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, at the moment. yeah. Yeah. But um, listen, I'm not gonna listen, I'll call it as I see it, man. If somebody's playing well and they're contributing to the team and they're influential and we're winning games of football, what is there to be negative about? Mm. If you can't put aside your personal feelings for a player which are non-football related, then I can't help you as an individual. But as I'm judging him as a player from what he's giving at the moment, fair play to him, Tom. That's that's, that's what I definitely have to say. Oh, I mean, Rob Holding. Yeah. Oh, sorry, French. Go on, mate. Go um, on, keep going. Same question with Nketiah. Not necessarily renew the contract, but are you keeping Xhaka around then for a little bit? I don't. Well, we don't have to renew him, do we? I think yeah, I wouldn't exactly. sell him in the summer. That's for sure. Look, if you told me that we're bringing in a player that upgrades on Granite Xhaka, then you're telling me that we're bringing in a hell of a player in the summer. Uh, that's for sure. Like to to get a genuine upgrade on him is going to be a challenge for us. But it's possible, and if we can do it, the squad's going to be possible. better for it. So yeah, I, I don't you, sell Xhaka. Would I give Xhaka a contract? Now, would you would you keep him this summer, or do you want to sell him? Like, what's your what are you trying to do? Because you said very possible. When you were like, yeah, it's very possible we can get a better player. Um, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I mean, that's out of my hands. That's down to Arsenal and what Oh, they're... come on. <laughs> get off the fence. <laughs> no, well, Xhaka, me personally. Yeah. No, me personally. Um, yeah. Personally. No, I, I, I personally wouldn't. But what I want and what's going to happen are two completely different things. You've got splinters in your bum, Albert. <laughs> no, not with Xhaka, man. No way, Orin. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Get rid of these, get rid indeed. Look, oh, yeah, go on, Owen. Uh, he, he just signed a, a new deal. No, I, I would keep him for the remainder of his deal, absolutely. Because yeah. as Tom said, realistically, who are you buying that replaces Granite Jacka? That uh, Ruben Neves doesn't, Telemans doesn't, you know, what other midfielders, even Arthur from Juventus, he's mm. not an upgrade on Granite Jacka. I think you're, you're going to be hard done by to find somebody. Sub seventy million. Yeah, I mean, what was, what was, sorry, what was the guy at Napoli? Is it, is it what's, what's the guy at Napoli? Fabian Ruiz. Yeah, he's not he, that bad at the jack of this season. Not, not at the moment. No, and, and injury wise, is a bit of mm, yeah. It's the thing, I think when you look at players that are better than Xhaka, you're limited to players like Tuchemeni, who's going to go to, you know, Real Madrid or Liverpool or somewhere like that. You know, I think there was a link with Liverpool bidding 45 million or something today. So, you know, Tuchemeni is, is one of those few rare young players. I don't think Ruben Neves upgrades on him right now. I don't think Yuri Tillemans upgrades on him right now. Um, I don't think both of their forms have, have dipped of late. Douglas Louise, Greg says in the chat, I don't think upgrades on him either right now. For me, if, if I'm signing a central midfielder in the summer, it's Sergei Milinkovic-Savic from Lazio. And that's, shout, Tom. that's shout. the one I'm going for. So I don't know why no one's gone for him. It's mad. He's still there and has been there since 2015. But yeah, Sergei Milinkovic Savage is, is the many. one. Too many. I don't know too many. Monaco, 21, 22 year old okay. century. He's French. French. <laughs> <laughs> Am I pronouncing it wrong? Is that what it is? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Like you oh, know, my pronunciations are dreadful. Like. <laughs> French is like who? What player? Oh, for goodness sake! For goodness sake! Um, Owen Rob Holding came in for a Ben White who yeah. could be missing for you know a, a period of time. We don't know the extent of his injury. Apparently, he suffered, suffered the injury against. Uh, Man United, so he's got a tight hamstring. That's very vague. You know, that can range from a couple of days to weeks. And when it's the end of the season, weeks is your season done. So Rob Holding came in and we, you know what he brings us. You know, he, he brings you that solidity. He brings you that you know, no-nonsense defending. He clearly can bring you a goal from a corner as well, which is obviously very welcome. But how confident are you in him being White's replacement in these final games based upon what we saw today it sort of freaked me out a little to be honest because when we went two one up i was sort of looking going, what the hell are we going to do now to see this game out <laughs> you know rob holden's not coming on to help us secure this but in terms of my confidence in him um sort of deputizing for ben white defensively i've got all the confidence in the world in him um absolutely but i still think like i mentioned there with Encadia, whilst it whilst he was good. He was still lacking something, and it was that ability to play out from the back. And uh, for me, he was the man of the match. But I'll be honest with you, it wasn't until the final whistle that I felt like that because yeah. watching him, I couldn't help but feel nervous all the time when he was on the ball. We were trying to transition from defence to attack, and I think that I think that with the remaining games that we have, the teams that we have left to play. You know the, these lower-sided oppositions that you would, if you would call them that, um, he's perfectly suited to those games. And uh, with the, in terms of the North London Derby, if there's one thing that Rob Holding does well, it's big, big games. It's big one-off games, and he always seems to get himself riled up for that as well. Caveat to that, I think there was one massive, massive positive. Okay, and I don't think it would have been like this if the circumstances hadn't have failed the way they did. But I think the fact that. Uh, Tommy Asu came back in and um, mm. definitely covered him a little. Uh, I think that if Cedric had been playing there, I'm not sure we see the same um, performance from from Rob Holding. I think that his confidence would have been all over the shop with Cedric leaving him left for dead half the time. So, uh, look, it's one of these things where we didn't do the business in January. We've got defenders out on loan. We've got this, we've got that. But this is what we have to get us through to the end of the season. And you can never... You can never call into question Rob Holding's commitment or his desire to go out there and perform. So for me, that's all you can ask for. Um, there's the old saying, fail through, fail through um, lack of ability and not lack of effort. And I think Rob Holding is somebody that you could definitely hold to that sort of um, standard. Absolutely. Yeah. I, look, for me, Ben White's presence was, was sorely missed from the way in which we play out. And I think that was obvious when... We struggled in the middle third at times for transition, and that's what White can bring you. And it's ironic when you watch Holding, there's a number of times where you see him try and dribble, like White's kind of inspired his performance to try and step up that area of his game, and it's just not the same. But what White does bring you is that no-nonsense um, and just gets you the clearances, gets you the you know the blocks in that he makes. Um, and that's part of White's game that needs to improve. You know, White needs to improve um, in that area significantly still and defensively it's probably you know of all of his game as a centre-back it, it needs to get better which when you consider that statistically White's been better than Gabriel all season and for everyone singing William Saliba's praises he's been better you know in a number of 
defensive metrics to, compared to him as well, playing in the Premier League too. It's it's still kind of strange that I, we still look at White as needing to improve, and he does, you know, because there are parts of his game that needs to improve. Um, looking at where this places us, French, you know, we have the youngest team in the Premier League in terms of, you know, average starting 11 age. We have played much of this season um, with issues to one of the two central midfielders. Xhaka missed so much of the first half of the season because of that knee injury. Partey has obviously been missing now in these last few games and we, we've hurt in games like Brighton and Southampton without him. Um, we've missed now our starting fullbacks up until Tommy Asu's cameo against Man United last week. Uh, and now we've lost White in this game. You know, Lacazette, whilst we've not necessarily missed him because Nketiah has come in, still missed a game through COVID and, you know, just wasn't wasn't at it. We didn't bring anyone in in January and that is something that we've rightly criticised the club for not doing. And yet, we remain in pole position for a Champions League spot, which at the start of the season, if anyone had said, what do you expect of this side and Mikel Arteta... It would have been a minority, I feel, that would have said, I expect us to be in a Champions League race, let alone get, you know, fourth position. So how do you feel about where we are and where this team is? And how do you feel about the way in which Mikel Arteta has dealt with the squad that he's had this season? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's honestly pretty outrageous, I, I, I think. This is why I'm so happy, because, you know, if you're telling me, you know, last or the start of this season after those three games, Rob Holding is going to score a header to get us into the top four, like... How long ago does that Man City game feel? That <laughs> it feels an eternity ago, like years ago. It's mental. I'm saying the parallel universe you're describing to mm. me, mate. Like, that's not our reality. And and the the fact that um that they're kind of I mean that's five of our outfield team that is either missing or unfit. If you count Tomiyasu, because you know he mm. couldn't even see the game out, so he's obviously not back to full fitness. And um and they're pulling this sort of stuff off at this point of the season. As you say, the youngest team, and I haven't looked at it, but this is probably up there with our youngest eleven since Lacazette's not there. Um and obviously mm -hmm. Tomiyasu starting instead of Cedric. Um yeah. I can imagine probably Xhaka and El Nenny kind of bringing it up. But yeah. Yeah, I think um uh, yeah, I, I think it's 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 just quite special. I think it's you know, obviously it was always going to be sort of a thing of up and downs and it's continued that way. I think a lot of people thought, yeah, the top fours, we were in a good position. We're a few points ahead. Now it's going to be clear saying for the end of the season. Um, it's could go down to the very last game of the season. Let's be honest. Do you think so? I honestly think it could. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I don't think there's at any point where we can say it's done and dusted until the season's going to be over because, um, well, maybe depending on how things go after the, the North London derby, you know, well, it could be decided at North London derby. If we beat Leeds and Liverpool get anything from the Spurs game, a, a win in the North London derby gives us top four, guaranteed. Is that mathematically? Okay, That's all right. Mathematically, okay. yeah. See, my stomach says it's not going that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I have a feeling that we're going to draw against Leeds and just, you know, <laughs> it's what it is. But, yeah. No, yeah, it just, it just feels like how it's going to be because, again, we've said it, we've got these kids, right? So, like, there's two sides to that story. One side is, oh, my God, we've got all this upside. The future's so bright. The other side is we score a goal and everyone's nervous a little bit because we haven't been a top four team. These guys have not been a top four team. You know what I mean? Especially these kids, they haven't been a top four team. And now mm. that's what they are having to be and become at the toughest end of the season. And that's really the kind of maturity that I, I, I thought I was seeing at the end of 
that kind of half and you know the middle to the end where we started kind of popping it around and being relaxed and obviously West Ham are tired and obviously they mm. look at the next week and all of this sort of stuff but at the end of the day um our confidence started to sort of settle back in and you could see that and I think they're kind of you know you can see everyone's saying yeah celebrating like they won the league and this and that but you can obviously see it just means a huge amount to all of the players and and I think they are developing that kind of maturity but it was it was never going to be a straight line it was always going to be up and down and I think it's going to be that way till the last day but gotta love gotta love the ride isn't it yeah I say that you say you gotta love the ride I've actually <laughs> found it pretty darn painful <laughs> to be honest it's the worst roller coaster of the in the world is supporting Arsenal Football Club right now it's uh yeah, it really does set your heart on edge. I'll be honest. So, I'm yeah, look, I, I'll love it if we win and we win this race, but uh, it's it's uh, it tests what you. Your, it, it, do you think you'll so if, if I was to ask you, I don't know if you've said this recently in the show, but do you think we're going to make top four? Is that what, what, what does your gut say? My, yeah, I, I'm very optimistic. Um, if you'd have, if you'd have said to me after Southampton, will we make top four? I would have said no. I think we've blown it. I think we've probably blown it. I wouldn't have said the season's over because, you know, it was still in our hands at that point. But after losing to Palace and Brighton and Southampton, knowing you've got to go to Chelsea, host United, go to West Ham, while Spurs have got, um, you know, they've got to play Brentford, they've played a weak Leicester team today. I would have said you, Matt, um, to, to think that we would have that. But... It's it's and what's really funny is that on on Lee Judge's channel, like before the the Crystal Palace game, we did a podcast and said, "Would you rather lose against Palace, Southampton, and Brighton, or uh, and win against you know West Ham, Chelsea, and Man United, or vice versa?" We actually asked that question in a crazy hypothetical situation, which has now come true, and all of us said we'd rather win the tougher games because yeah I, I will, we'll find that clip because it is it's unreal that we had that discussion like as if that was ever going to happen and it, it now has but it was important that we got that momentum up and that's where we leave ourselves going into the, the last stages with crazy four games four games between us and and possibly champions league football next season um albert Antonio Conte took over at Spurs in November two points behind Arsenal fast forward five months Antonio Conte is two points behind Arsenal, despite the fact that Arsenal have weakened their squad in January and Spurs have brought in Dejan Kulisevsky and Rodrigo Bentancourt. What does that say about this team and what does it say about Antonio Conte and Spurs? Well, less said about Spurs, the better. But um, listen, they're seen as a perennial um, bottle jobs, as, as, as we say. Um, no, no one saw that result, them losing to home to Brighton. I, I didn't see that. But listen, football's a funny old game, as they say, Tom. Um... Tom, you know what it is? I, I think with Arsenal, um, us as Arsenal fans, um, and depending on your age, whatever, but I would say particularly in recent years, um, and it's mentioned in the commentary today about Arsenal being a bit more street smart. That's mm. 100% true. Listen, you might not be fouled, Tom, but you know what? Stay on the ground for another extra 30 foot. No, I'm, I, I'm deadly serious because mm. we're, we were seen too much as a soft touch. Remember when we played Burnley away? And not the greatest game to watch. Um, <laughs> but there were instances in that game, Tom, just from a point of view, standing up and not to be counted and not be bullied. That's what Burnley tried to do. We stood up to him. Villa tried it at the opening 10, 15 minutes at home at the Emirates. Stood up to him. We've got the characters and the players there to, 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 to show people, to tell people, we're not here to be ran over. We're not here to be 
toyed with, not here to be an easy touch, a soft touch. And as a result of that, Tom, and I think most Arsenal fans should agree with this, um, you know, despite your agendas possibly, um, <laughs> uh, we're winning games of football. Listen, it'd be great to play champagne football and winning a league title in 97-98 and the Invincibles, but part that to one side. Winning games of football when you don't play well, sometimes when you don't even deserve to win, that is a mark of a good side. Irrespective of, yes, we've got a young team, but irrespective of the age and experience of the team, we are winning games of football, particularly this season, as an Arsenal fan that I would never have said in many, many years gone by in many seasons. And that's the thing you mentioned it, even Tom, even with the, um, you know, when we had the 10 games to go with the season. I said to you, I said, I said to many people, in no disrespect to that, the, the lesser teams in the league, mm. but in terms of the big games, for me, Arsenal had to win a minimum out of two. <laughs> with one three out of three. Mm. I, no one would have, no one would have uh, thought that at the beginning <coughs> of the run of the game. 10 games to go, seven games to go, six games to go, particularly losing them, them run of three games that we did. You know, um, one going free and, and, you know, 56 attempts at goal and one goal. But, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I would give this team a lot of credit for, Tom, more than anything, is the fact that at a critical stage of the season, many Arsenal fans will say, when it comes to crunch time, this team buckles under pressure. Facts. Mm. You could, you could With your own two eyes. But to win the three games we've won, people can sit here and talk about, oh, but Chelsea had Champions League football. They had a semi-final FA Cup. And that's our own fans saying that, Tom. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, why, why, why are they why saying that? Why would you that? say that? It's, it's, why to me, they, it's madness. Why, why are they there, Albert? Um, I think part of the reason and part of the problem is because they're so used to Arsenal fans getting beat down by other rival football clubs and come to the crunch time of the season, we don't win important football matches. That's part of it. But however, enjoy the win. Because if you sat there before nine minutes before the game and thought, are we going to beat Chelsea away and score four goals? You would have thought, we would have thought it was crackers. Mm. But we've done it, Tom. We did it. And it's no coincidence as well. I think a lot of the games we win, Tom, I don't know what the possession stats are exactly. But when we seem to have less possession of the ball, particularly in the bigger games, I think it works in our favour. Because the onus is not on us to be on the front foot to go to win football matches. Um, I don't want that to be the case going forward for, for a numerous amount of seasons because yeah, of we need to be on the front foot. But I think that has a little bit to do with it. But um, Arsenal fans, please be be happy when you win um, and take the, and take the wins for what it is. Listen, we've got four games left, man. If you can't be happy with wins now, quit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's as simple as that. I don't think I don't think you're just saying anymore. I think that sums that quite nice. If you if you can't be happy as an Arsenal fan, seeing what we're seeing and seeing the fact that we are in a race for the top four, you know, shocked somehow in the race of the top four. And yeah. that's because of the merit of what we've seen on the pitch across an entire season, mm. you know, and I agree with you. I, I see it where people are like, Oh, but you know, man, United haven't been very good. Spurs haven't been very good. You've still got to be good to, yeah. to be where we are. Like you don't, you're not, we have to, win. We, we have to take care of business. Why are you, why, why are we as Arsenal fans? making excuses for why Chelsea are not a full strength. That makes mm. no logical sense to me. Mm. No, we, we have to win the game. Just for clarity, we're three points behind the Chelsea team that, you know, would touted as 
title challenges. Man, we yeah, are yeah. well ahead now of Manchester United with what eight points. They have a game in hand over us. Oh, do they? No, they don't. Do they? I don't think they do I have a game think in hand do, over us. No. I think we've played a game less than them. We're eight points, you know, ahead of them. Um, and they were touted as, as top. In fact, Gary Neville will have you know that they're one of the top four teams in the world, supposedly, <laughs> at the start of the season. Um, you, we have to be a, a relative level to be where we are. 63 points, you know, with four yeah. games remaining. Typically, teams that get 70-plus points have finished in the top four. That's, yeah. that's how it's worked. If we get seven points from our last 12, which I expect us hopefully to get more than that, yeah. um, we will have got to that 70-point mark that we that has eluded Arsenal in the past and cost Arsenal the, the, the chance of getting top four. So across a whole season, which you have to play all 19 other teams, you know, it's not just focusing on a couple of teams that haven't done well enough, other teams not doing well enough, or other teams being better. We are on track at the moment to achieve what would be looked upon as a top four accumulation of points. So you can't look at it as, oh, we're only there because the other teams. And it's mad, as you say, Albert, that... Arsenal fans are saying that that's the reason why. Yeah. Um, Owen, before we come to questions and chat box, we're going to go to your questions for the last 15 minutes in a lightning round uh, to try and tackle as many as we can. Um, how confident are you that the performances against West Ham and Man United and Chelsea that have been far from perfect, I think we can say, are you confident that those games tell you that this is an Arsenal team that are on course to finish in the top four? I would, I would like to think so, <clears throat> but there's only one thing that makes me slightly doubt that, and it's that historically Mikel Arteta has done quite well in, in games against big sides. He seems mm. to really revel being that underdog side, and he sets up well to sort of um, absorb pressure and, and hit on the break. He does that very, very well. So I think that we're going to we're going to have a lot of answers to our questions against uh, against Leeds um, at the Emirates next weekend. Mm. I think that going to find out a lot um we talked about stuff like the street smarts and stuff like that and whilst i do think we've come a million miles and luck maybe you'll you'll call me a dirty bugger for wanting wanting this done but like i i was actually relatively unimpressed with how much pressure we were putting on west ham's uh big players if you'd want to call them that you know people mm -hmm. like shifal and, and Declan rice and jared bowen as soon as their names were on the team sheet i was blown away that david Moyes was willing to risk those players with such a big game. If I had been Mikel Arteta, I would have been told them, fly in, put mental tackles in on them guys and make them not want to touch the ball. So I think yeah. there's things like that, that that we still need to sort of wise up to a little bit. But <clears throat> look, four games left. And my, thing, my point has been this all along, is that I think sometimes as football fans, we forget that we don't need to be perfect. We don't need to get through games with brilliant performances. You forget about the performance when the result is right. You know, in six months from now, we won't be thinking, oh, but remember we beat West Ham, but we performed really badly. No, we'll just be remembering that that's the result. And that's the thing is that we don't need to be perfect until the end of the season. We just need to be better than Spurs are. Mm. And for me... You can talk about the youth of these players and the fact they've never been in this race for the top four. A lot of Spurs players haven't either, but DNA is something that runs really, really strong. It's the reason I'll probably take a heart attack before I'm 50. It's because DNA and genetics are a funny old thing. And the fact is, is that in crucial moments like this, Spurs do what Spurs do and they tend to bottle it. <laughs> so for me, that our players will go away. They'll take confidence in the fact that 
They may not have been in this position before, but Arsenal have plenty of times and Spurs have plenty of times. And normally when it comes down to that, their rivalry, for those that are spots, it's normally one winner, hands down, and it's normally Arsenal. So for me, I have a lot of confidence going in. I think it's going to be decided on the North London Derby, which I'm delighted about because you'll be happy mm. to know that our good friend Jared Carver is coming the whole way from Chicago to Derry, Northern Ireland to, 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 to watch the game with me. So I'm, I'm very much excited for that one. You going to the, you're going to the game? No, he's coming to Newry in Northern Ireland. Really? Oh, yeah, my, that's mad. Yeah, but what's even more mental is he, he's on honeymoon. So he's taking his missus. To Ireland? Yeah, they're staying in Dublin. <laughs> sorry, I'm so, Listen, so it's, disregarding Ireland. It's, it's a honeymoon it's a, destination. Situation. My missus is, Come ready on, to, Jared. <laughs> my missus is ready to give birth. I can't really stray too far away from home, so Jared has to has to come up here. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> respect to Ireland, and it's it's a beautiful country. But for a honeymoon, you come on, Jared. Yeah, what's going American on? Man, <laughs> not only Ireland, but Owen as well. For honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> you know <laughs> anyway, we've got about fifteen minutes left, and I want to get through as many of your questions as possible. So, guys, if we can keep your answers condensed into a lightning round section, uh, that would be much appreciated. Uh, Vishal says, we're officially back in Europe. I didn't actually know that today, but based on the points tally, supposedly we are. Uh, that was a hard-fought win, but we really need to do something about how vulnerable we are in the left. Uh, time to go to a back three, question mark? Um, well, maybe in some games there'll be a, a time for that, sure, but uh, with Ben White injured as well, I don't know. Um if he's going to be back but it's an option it's it's something that we can use but at the moment i don't know i feel like we've we've got things in a kind of balance where we 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 are conceding more conceding a few more chances it wasn't as bad as people are making out though by the way i think our xg against today was 0.38 so it's not like we they were creating all these chances and getting all these shots on our goal mm. Um, and we are creating more chances going the other way. The problem is more for me that we're not really necessarily finishing them all. Uh, um, and that's something that Arteta alluded to and saying that obviously we've been working on and obviously we'll continue to work on scoring goals apparently is a thing that we need to do well. Who knew? Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I don't necessarily think we need to go to a back three. Um, and also the fact that we're back in Europe, again, speaks to how impressive like for me this this team has been in this sort of crunch time like we've got a few games left that we've qualified for europa league already i mean it's pretty pretty fucking good mm, no absolutely um let's scroll down and go to jacob albert who says what's your expectations for us in the champions league wow this is optimistic <laughs> uh, and who do we need to buy to meet those expectations um, you know what? The, the the first part of the question is something I, I'm not really sure I can answer now. I, I'm not sure how well we do to be honest with you, is it? But listen, um, in terms of um, who we need to buy, well, a, a striker is a massive, massive thing for me. That that's huge. Um, um, thing makes a, the point earlier about in terms of it's difficult because obviously you have elite, elite strikers, then you've got mm. the tier below, which we're going to have to go for. That's not a problem, by the way, because people can, you can, you can recruit well when they, and they excel, i.e. Jota, guys, Liverpool example. But um, the striker one's an interesting one because if you're talking about the Jesus kind of part of it, for me, if you bring him in, you, you bring him, you bring him in and one other, who that other is, is such a toss up, Tom, honestly. Um mm -hmm. I'll say to you, even I would have asked you this question a few a few nights ago, but I'm going to ask you it now. Um, 
with your journalistic head on, who do you think we'll get? And as an Arsenal fan, who do you want? Uh, journalistically, so realistically, uh, I think we'll get uh, Gabriel Jesus. It seems like a deal that's you know very very possible. I think that we'll go for another forward um, as well. Uh, it'll probably be. I feel like it will be because Jesus being 25, I feel like it will be a younger uh, option. So it could be a Cody Gakpo style that, you know, can play Ooh. in a centre forward kind of position, but also play out wide as Jesus can, or a Victor Ozzyman, depending upon what Napoli asks for, if they want a hundred million, we'll say, no, no, thank you. You know, we'll go somewhere else. Tammy Abraham, if you're able to get him for like 50 million again, I feel that's something that maybe Arteta would be very much open to. Yeah. So along those lines, as well as Gabriel Jesus, I think in the forward area, in the midfield, it's, I think we will sign someone that isn't really being talked about right now. And so that's really hard for me to say who that'll be because I, I just feel like it's going to be someone that we're not. If it was me, it would be Sergei Milinkovic-Savage. I'd be like, Lazio, here's 50 million quid. Yes mm. or no? Do you want, take it or leave it. Bring him into the team um, and and see him flourish. And I think that he, he would uh, in this Arsenal team and in the Premier League. Uh, I would buy a versatile fullback. Uh, I don't know if we will sign one. It would depend upon kind of the future of players like Cedric, etc. Uh, and Nuno Tavares. I have a weird feeling that Nuno Tavares' future isn't certain at Arsenal. Um, no. We've seen, you know, we've brought in players like Alex Runnison under Arteta. He's not been happy with him after a year and he's gone. You know, that could happen with Tavares. Um, there's been whispers that he wasn't like, you know, it was kind of a, a buy because we needed to bring in a relatively cheap um, backup sure. left back. Um, but he wasn't necessarily like, you know, oh, we love Tavares. Yeah, we have to get this guy. No, we were able to get him quite surprisingly on quite a good deal. And I think that's why they probably went for it. But sure. with more scope, they may look at trying to bring someone in. And that's probably why we're being linked to a number of versatile fullbacks like Nahuel Molina from Udinese. Um, we got linked to uh, Hickey, the Bologna Scottish left back recently. He's very versatile as well. Um, and we were linked to Jed Spence, of course, too. So, I mean, we're being linked to fullbacks. So I think that's probably where we'll go. Um, just, yeah, but again, desirable, any of those, I think, would work. I actually think that my journalistic head and realistic head links in with what I think will happen, which is quite a good thing. Um, shows we're on the right path, which is which is oh. good for a change. So there you go. Um Let's find another question. Uh, Terence says, Owen, pick two strikers from Jesus, Abraham, David, Schick, Isaac, Jovic, Morata, Calvert-Lewin, and I think that's Thiago Tomas uh, as well at the end there. So there's an interesting <laughs> list for you. No, this is really simple because I, I was thinking just while you were going over your realistic signings, I'm not sure how realistic these both are, but um, uh, my top two picks would be Gabriel Jesus and, and Schick. Uh, mm -hmm. for me as well that's what I was going to mention the fact that I'm not sure that we're going to I think as you mentioned Jesus is a very realistic deal that that, that could be done and, and a, if we're led to believe anything coming from all reports the, the groundwork for that deal is being led already um, but I think that if we I think we're going to go for two completely different styles of strikers which is completely necessary because mm -hmm. we've got no plan B whatsoever you know you need a bit of variety um uh, to be able to do something different, a plan B against teams where you're really struggling to break them, break them down, somebody to throw on that can get their head on the end of something and be a bit of a presence in there. So whether it's chic or not, I'm not sure, but I actually th think the complete opposite to you, Tom. I think what they may do is is bring in somebody like Zeus and bring in somebody 
potentially older, you know, mm. the way Chelsea took in Olivier Giroud, say, for example, who would be the perfect man. So <laughs> who, who would that be? I don't know who that would be. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I think we may look to bring in some some experience because I think that mm. I think that West is brilliant having a very, very young squad. And I'm pretty sure Mikel Arteta understands this as well. It's vital to have some know-how and experience, especially when you start to bring those games of Champions League and Cup runs in thick and fast. I think that experience, how to navigate through those competitions is absolutely vital. So I think that we may see a short-term, you know, maybe two-year deal or something for, for somebody that's a bit more seasoned. Fair enough. It wouldn't surprise me. I think it's Arteta wants to balance the squad a bit more. So we'll, we'll see. Sorry, Tom. Um, Sorry, Tom. Yes, quickly. Sorry. Uh, another shout. I'll, I'll tell you I wouldn't mind that left-back. Um, I don't think we'd get him. Um, Tyrick Mitchell, I think he's been excellent for Palace for a couple of years. Super. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very good player. He's better than Tavares. <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> um, yeah, no, can't disagree with you, mate. England international now, of course, as well. Um, French, Amir says, who would be our most important signing? And for me, it would be Mikel Arteta signing an extension. So uh, what do you make of that? Um, yeah, well played, Amir. I, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, free including that, I tend to agree, to be honest. I think... Um, I think it can't be understated how well he's done considering the position the club was in when he came in and the position we're in now um, and how, you know, how we feel about where we're going. Um, if talking about signings, and I think obviously for me and for most people, it's going to be the the, the forwards. Um, and I think it's two. Um, and for me, yeah, it's probably Jesus and, and Gakpo and Ozyman. Um, as, as you mentioned, Tom, I think those would be my, my preferred choices. Good stuff. Uh, Rinal says, Albert, if we get top four, uh, don't you think Erdegaard is one of the main men behind it? Remember last season, we played countless number of draws because we couldn't break down defences. He's been a massive signing. Good shout. Good shout. Yeah, I, I, do, think he's, I do think he's been very important behind it. Um, when we signed him, I, 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 was, I was relatively pleased with what I saw in the first initial loan spell. Um, mm. We got him... He does make he does make a difference. He is that player we he is that type of profile player that we didn't have, and um, I don't know what some Arsenal fans um, is expect expectations were of him or how he would contribute to this team. But from what I've seen, Tom, to be fair, and I mentioned it earlier in the stream, what he does off the ball doesn't get enough recognition as well, and stats don't lie with him particularly. Mm. I think that he's a player that needed to add goals to his game. And I think he's done that to an extent this season. Sure, I want more. But he's actually started to play more of a... He doesn't play as far forward as he was when he was scoring. I think he's mm. now come back slightly more into the midfield. He's more dictatorial um, than we've necessarily seen him at the start of the season. But yeah, he's been brilliant. I'll give him a 9 out of 10 for the season. He's been that good. Uh, Chris P says, uh, and thank you for the donation, Chris. Really appreciate this, Owen. Uh, Milinkovic Savic or Frankie de Jong and Danny Almo or, Almo, or Florian Wirtz. Uh, who is your chosen two in midfield? Jesus. <laughs> That's a wish list there. Yeah. It... Uh, look, I'll, I'll be honest. The first one that springs out is Savic and de Jong, I think, for, for myself. Um you talk about high class technical quality but look and I don't want to jump away from this question but I just want to touch on what Albert had said and I remember I think I was right that when the Udegaard loan was first announced I think you'd done a tactical breakdown Tom um, at the time and, and the thing <laughs> oh no you 100% definitely did you tactical, yeah. tactically broke down every single person in the world um, but the biggest thing that was called in his que into question was his work rate 
Mm. Was what he working? And well, he's sweet Jesus, he's blown that out of the water. Yeah. He's talking about work rate, but you look at these players, Savic, Deong, yeah, they may be slightly different players, but Martin Mudegard is, I think, technically speaking, in the modern game, one of the most gifted footballers I've seen in terms of his ability. Just he's like a ballerina; he just breezes through the game. And there's only very, very few players in the world I think that naturally have that ability. Uh, you know, Dennis Bergkamp is one of them, Zinedine Sedan, and I know I mentioned big, big, big names there, but it just shows how few and far between these types of players are. Yeah. So I think that we all forget as well the fact that this kid's been in the limelight since, what, 2015 or something he was, I think, when he signed for, for Real Madrid, something like that, around that time. Yeah. <clears throat> he, he's still in around the same age as Bakayo Saka and, and, and Emile Smith-Rowe. And there's just uh, levels and levels to come from this kid. I'm, I'm I'm absolutely delighted not only to see him at the club, but to see him wearing the armband and to see him really settle into somewhere uh, finally because he seems to me like a player who was really uh, searching for a long time to try and find somewhere to call home. And seeing it be at Arsenal. Didn't answer that guy's question at all. Sorry, but it sort of did. But <laughs> I'll take it. It's Milinkovic, Savic and Olmo um, as the pair. Wurtz has is, is just received a huge massive injury um, and we don't know how he's going to respond to it so that's why I would go for Olmo of the two um, we're going to wrap things up there thank you so much guys for tuning in for the last hour of content please drop a like on the video before you dip out I really do appreciate the support French thank you so much for coming on the show tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to is he oh, there he's frozen, just, he's frozen. Look, at that. look at that stare is he back? Look at that. He's, look, he's looking yeah, into no, his soul <laughs> Apart from that, I was so close. Uh, I've screwed it up now. Sorry. No, you're there. You're there. We can hear you. Your your face is just frozen. <laughs> um, we don't usually do the show this soon after the game, so I haven't had a chance to like take ideas from Ask Blog or Arsenal Vision Podcast. <laughs> if myself was a bit below par, I apologise, but it's been great being here. Thanks. Oh, I appreciate it, mate. I appreciate it. Uh, you can find French on Twitter. Um, where he's, he's, you know, profile picture is moving as much as his face is right now, uh, to be fair. So you can find him at French Schooner 23 Albert, thanks for your time. Tell people where they can find you. Tell them about your channel and what you're going to be up to. Tom, pleasure coming on again. Thanks for the invite, mate. Um, yeah, I've got my own channel, Albert JTV. Not far off 1K. Not far. Hopefully get there before the end of the season. So hopefully do a big push for that. And Life Stories is coming up soon again. Another another content series for that. Fantastic stuff. Just putting a link to uh, Albert's channel into the chat box. Make Thank sure you, that you are subscribed to Albert already. I say he's only what, 77 That's subs right, away from 1,000. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. do go and give him the support if you haven't done so already. Produces some great content. And he's been great on the show. So definitely Thanks, worth mate. giving a follow to. And finally, um, Jared Carver's best friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Owen, thank you for your time, mate. Always a pleasure. Good to have you finally back on the show after such a long hiatus. Uh, tell people where they can find you, my friend, and what you're going to be up to, other than seeing Jared, of course. It's great. Uh, you said as if it's a bad thing. Think of how impressionable <laughs> I must be to make a dude travel on his honeymoon from Chicago to Ireland and then come to one of the worst places in Ireland to watch a football match. It's you know I'm flawless. I, I can't tell uh, if you're talking about the play, the area you live or just your house. Like, is... <laughs> no, he's not staying here. Jesus, I wouldn't put him through that. He's staying in a nice hotel in town. Um, <clears throat> no, uh, yeah, you can find me there, uh, Owen Young AFC on Twitter, um, and we are on the Gooners Pod. But 
don't even go and subscribe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's been like six months since we've done a podcast. Mike's always either drunk or he's dieting or going sober or he's doing... When was stuff. the last Gouda's pod? So just oh, have a quick check now yeah. when the last one was. And Andy's the one... just such a busy man, not all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah he's um, in, in eight days ago uh, was the pre-game open mic show. Um, oh, that was when Mike was drunk. He was drunk and wanted a podcast. I was like, just do it on your own, mate. Oh, yeah. there you go. It's worth, just worth going to watch for just that. Um, yeah. So there you go. Uh, make sure no, you go pleasure, check buddy. it out. <laughs> Always a pleasure, my friends. Um, I will see you tomorrow morning, 8am, of course, sharp for the next series of our Arsenal news show. Plenty to break down, more transfer news to discuss. And of course, we'll be looking ahead to the game against Leeds as we build up to what could be a pivotal weekend in the race with the top four with Spurs, of course, playing against Liverpool at Anfield. A huge weekend of football coming up as the race, not only for top four, but possibly even top three, heats up after Chelsea's loss, which was just as glorious as well. So thank you for tuning in. We'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.